Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Wisconsin Badgers, sole possession of first place in the Big Ten, Jesse. The, uh, they go on the road, win two road games. They go to Minnesota and beat Minnesota on the road, 68-67. And then they go to a place where they have not had a lot of success. A lot of teams have not had a lot of success uh, at the rack, also known as whatever crap sub place it is these days. And they get a win, 66-61, to beat Rutgers, to move to 14-4 and on the year in Big Ten play. They're 8-2 and on the road. That's the, It's tied for the most road wins a Badgers team has ever had in conference play, that with the 2006-2017. I feel like I'm going to be throwing out a lot of these, these numbers of things that this team has done that hasn't been done before. But the win at Rutgers, another uh, really, really close win. Uh, they are now 14-1 and in games decided by six points or fewer. And uh, right now in very, very good shape of at minimum getting a share of the Big Ten title, but even better position to get an outright Big Ten title, something they were unable to do two years ago. But my goodness, uh, this team just continues to impress all around. It's been a magical season and it continues to be. And if they can ride this hot streak a few more weeks, we can really have something special on our hands. But certainly you have to appreciate what the Badgers have been able to do to this point. They have some serious stones. I'll give them that. You mentioned how many wins they've gotten in those close games. I think we've discussed this on previous shows, but at a certain point, it's not a fluke. It's not a toss-up. This is what this team is all about. They showed it again at Jersey Mike's Arena. Just want to make sure I get that correct since it's no longer the rack RIP. But there were so many instances where the Badgers could have folded. Rutgers came back. Geo Baker hit a ridiculous fadeaway jumper to give the Scarlet Knights the first lead that they'd had all game, about seven and a half minutes left in the second half. And Stephen Crowell buries a massive three-pointer off a pick where he pops open and Chucky Hepburn finds him. Can't say enough good things about Chucky and what he did in that performance. But Johnny Davis showed up in the second half after a really difficult first half where there were 19 NBA scouts there to watch him because he's a projected lottery pick. He winds up with 19 points and eight rebounds, comes up with some huge buckets in the second half. Just another fabulous performance, and that's why the Badgers are 23-5, and 14-4 in the Big Ten with two to go and a chance to win this thing, which I certainly did not think was possible when the season started. They did not shoot from the free throw line very well for much of the game. They, uh, it, it was not good. But at the end, and, and I know this is, this is what you're supposed to do, but that's a tough place to play, despite, you know, uh, it being a little bit of a, a smaller venue, I think you would say, uh, than some of the Big Ten venues they play. It's a tough place to play. Rutgers has beaten a lot of good teams there. Went down the, the list of teams they've beaten. Michigan State, Michigan, Iowa, Purdue, Illinois, Ohio State, all the other teams that are at the top of the Big Ten. Rutgers has beaten them there. There are only two losses there before today. Lafayette, which I have no idea how that happened. And then they also lost to Maryland. So, but that's a tough place to play. But at the end of it, when they needed to make those clutch free throws, Johnny Davis went to the line and hit all four of his. And Tyler Wall went one for two. So, you know, when it looks 11 of 17 from free throw line, not ideal. But when you needed them most, they got it done down the stretch. And, and that's that's been the calling card of this team. Not necessarily the free throws, but finding a way at the end of games to overcome some uneven play at times. I mean, Rutgers made a bunch of runs at them, took leads on them or, or tied it or took leads a bunch of times late in that game. And Wisconsin always had an answer. 
And outside of the Rutgers game at Madison, that's been almost the case every single time. I don't, at some point, Jesse, and I know this is kind of what a lot of people have, has said throughout this year, like 14, you know, when it got to like seven and one or eight and one in, in these close games, there's a lot of luck involved, a lot of luck involved. And it gets to 10 and one, 11 and one. Still a lot of luck involved. It's 14 and one. It, at some point, you have to start giving some credit to Wisconsin for their ability to close out games. Yeah, absolutely. I know that there's talk that some of those wins were closer than they should have been against lesser foes, but a lot of those wins have been because Wisconsin gutted it out. And as you mentioned, plenty of teams have gone up to Piscataway and lost that game. And obviously there's no other team in the country that's 14 and one in games that are six points or less. And I think it's also worth mentioning how that game closed out after Tyler wall only made one of two that left the door open for Rutgers to tie the game because it was a one possession game of 64, 61 Wisconsin played excellent defense and forced a really deep three pointer from geo Baker with six seconds left. And Brad Davison was up on him and it was way off. And that, that was that. So it wasn't, yes, the free throws helped, but defensively, I thought Wisconsin really bowed up when necessary, even though Rutgers made some runs and that possession helped to seal the deal. So this is again, what the team is all about this year. It may make you bite all your nails off um, if you're a fan, but certainly it's, it's, it's really magical. And I, I know that may sound cliche or, or hyperbole, but I just know that nobody saw this coming outside of the locker room. Especially this podcast. Um, (laughs) Yes. So I asked for Twitter questions as you normally do. And I I, let's get into this right away because it's fresh on the mind here. There have been a lot of people that have said that they, this team is not going to be any good. I'm not necessarily going to put us in that category. I thought that there probably were going to be some struggles. Certainly uh, didn't see them in the race for the big 10 championship. And I'll explain our schedule for next week. <laughs> I'll explain that a little bit later here in the, in the podcast, but you'll, you'll completely understand why I say certainly didn't think they were going to be in the race for the big 10 because of uh, plans that I made way before any of this was happening. Um, but going back to the beginning of the season, we did our first show in late October. We had yet to see them play a game. However, I asked you the very unfair question of put you on the spot right now, do they make the NCAA tournament? And do you remember what you said? I am about to eat crow. <laughs> so, yes, I do know what I said. Here's, but why don't here's, you play it for the folks so they can yeah, hear it? Here's exactly what Jesse had to say about the Badgers in late October. I'm going to say no. Um, we can rewind this clip in March, but... <laughs> I mean, you laid out that the, the schedule is difficult. The team is so young. So for me, the answer is no. But I also think that this is a good year for a lot of these guys to get that experience. And maybe in two years, we look at it and say, yeah, that was a tough year. But look how much better they are now. So there it is, Jesse. Now, I'm not going to make you defend yourself here because I think you are not uh, necessarily alone in that thinking. But at least uh, someone wanted me to bring it up. And I did. And now I give you a a chance to not explain yourself, but at least, you know, look back on your words. Well, obviously, there are so many players that are major contributors that are so far ahead of where I thought they would be. And and that comment that I made was based on what we thought we knew about this team. There were three players from the regular rotation last year that were coming back. Johnny Davis was a guy that needed to take the next step that said, 
And I, I know I've dis- discussed this before, but when I talked to him before the season, he said not not to brag or anything, but I feel like I'm going to have to be the guy for this team to carry us and and win some games for us to get us to the NCAA tournament. And that sounded great, but I certainly didn't know he was going to be a first-team All-American and an NBA lottery pick. If anyone out there uh, had that premonition, I suppose you should have gone to Vegas and put some money on it. Um, but Chucky Hepburn as well and Stephen Crowell, have been tremendous. They've obviously taken big steps forward. Chucky has been something special as a true freshman point guard. Obviously he certainly doesn't, he's not looked like a freshman the entire season and Tyler wall has made a big step forward. So what the starters have done, they've obviously had to rely on them heavily, but that's kind of where I was coming from. I think most people listening probably can understand where I was coming from, even though it may sound bad now, but they've just, exceeded expectations as so much and it's because of the guys that like johnny davis and and chucky and and steven and and tyler that have made those huge steps forward and brad has been kind of what we thought we'd be but he's been excellent and the three-point prowess that he's had it seems like every time they need something he's there and he did it again against rutgers he hit four key three-pointers to help them win yeah no i mean his his three-point shooting like is a huge part of this. And it's been a little bit uh, today. I'm saying tonight was, was a huge part of it. Their three point shooting in general was a huge part of it. Hitting nine was monumental in their victory, but he's really struggled over the last, what, five, six games where he hasn't been able to find a shot, but you trust that he's going to be able to come out of it the same way. You kind of trusted that Johnny Davis is going to come out of his shooting slump. And he did at the biggest moments, you know, when they go on the road and win at Michigan state or they go to Indiana and get the win there like they did, or, or the Michigan game for whatever, you know, when you needed it to be there, he was there. And Davison against Rutgers, especially from deep was there four of eight. Hell yeah. You take that every single time. Um, but when you, when you look, let, let's go back to the, the Minnesota game, because I think that sure. one's, that one's important too, because Johnny Davis did not have a Johnny Davis game. Uh, and he missed the last, what, 235 of the game. Followed, he fouled out. And playing without him in the, in the final couple of minutes of a game, he's a big reason that they were, you know, 12-1 and one at that point in games decided by six or fewer points. He was a, his, his ability to close games, you saw it against Indiana. His ability to close games is, the, you know, is a big reason. And for them not to have him in the last 235 and still find a way, whether it was Stephen Crowell or Jordan Davis or Brad Davison. Like it was different guys coming up and, and making plays. And while both of these wins are obviously huge, I can take something different from each one because you you had a, a maybe not an all-star or a, an all-American level performance from Johnny today, but he certainly played much better than he did against Minnesota. And you got what you got from from Brad from the outside. But Chucky. 13 points, right? And five assists. And then uh, Tyler Wall, 11 points. Stephen Crowell, who had the huge game the other night, seven points, two rebounds today. It's different guys. It feels like it's not just one guy these days. Right. I think that ending against Minnesota says a lot about what this team is made of and the character that it has. Because you lose an All-American, a guy who's been your leading scorer and really leading in basically every major statistical category, in a game that tight on the road, in a rivalry game, and you think, well... (laughs) The Badgers are screwed, (laughs) but Jordan Davis looked so smooth, like he'd been playing in the rotation all season, gets the huge bucket, the layup off Davison's drive to give Wisconsin the 64-62 lead. Crowell hits a turnaround off the glass. Davison hits a couple free throws, and that's pretty much the ball game, and the score was closer than 
the final score was closer than, than what it, the game was in the end. Wisconsin really had it in hand. It was just a, a late three at the buzzer that made it a one-point game. But it's not just the Johnny Davis show as much as he's done for this team. And, uh, you know, I've a- I was asked a question for a mailbag a couple of weeks ago about where, where would this team be without Johnny Davis? And I made the case that they would not be an NCAA tournament team. Maybe I'm selling the rest of the group short. No, you're not. Um, but the fact that they won that game in the last two and a half minutes without him says a lot about the other guys on the roster and what they can do when given an opportunity. Yes. Do we need to touch on uh, any any timeout strategy at the end of games, either the Minnesota game or or the Rutgers game? Because obviously uh, Ben Johnson took a timeout with one second left and down four. Right. When that game was essentially over, Greg took a timeout with four seconds left today. Any do we need to break that down at all? I know there wasn't any any issues (laughs) in the handshake line, but do we need to talk about that at all? I think it's safe to say we can finally move on. You are allowed to take timeouts in the closing seconds if you are up by more than one possession. Um, let's just move on from the Jawan Howard <laughs> postscript. But by the way, since we did do the last show, I think we tried to make predictions on what would happen. And I thought that he would be suspended for the rest of the regular season. And that's indeed what had ha- has happened. So um, I think that's I'm patting myself on the back. I can tell I can, I can hear it. I need a win after you playing the clip uh, where I got this team dead wrong. So uh, that's where we're at on that. But no, we can move on. Okay. All right. Speaking of the timeouts. Okay. What about the officiating? The Bo Borowski uh, call on Davison for the, the leg whip or whatever. Is that the one here? That. And then the, the point like it, it, it feels so personal. Every single time he, he officiates a Brad Davison game. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I don't know why. Uh, other than, I, you know, just not a great official. But what, why? What is it about Brad Davison that gets Bo Borowski so upset? It's Do you think? Really, it's, it's hard to say. Um, maybe. I really don't know. I, don't, okay. I mean, different personalities clashing. Maybe he doesn't like the way Brad plays, but it certainly seems like those two wind up uh, on the wrong side of <laughs> agreements or they, they constantly disagree on, on what's happening. So yeah. I don't know what to say. So going back to that, the, the 14 and one stat, yeah. um, uh, Raul Vasquez, who works for badgerbliss.com, I believe lives in the New York area. So he, I think he went out and covered the game. Uh, there was no Zoom after this. We didn't get to talk to any of the guys, but seeing some quotes from him on Twitter, and he was asked about the 14-1 record, and he said, uh, Johnny Davis, excuse me, was asked about the 14-1 record in, in six points or fewer. And he said, that's a crazy stat. I can't really explain it. It definitely ain't luck, though. Definitely not luck. People can say it's luck, but it's not luck. Luck goes 50-50. We're 14-1 in those games. I'd say that's pretty well stated, right? Do you agree? Oh, 100%. 100%. You don't play 15 games like that and be 14-1 and and – some of it, I suppose you could say is the ball bounces Wisconsin's way, but you don't go 14 and one unless you've got a certain skill set and a certain toughness and mentality to win those types of games. I completely agree. And I certainly don't look at what they've been able to, to do in close games. And really would they be, would they be 15 and oh, or maybe even 14 and oh, if Johnny had played in against Providence. Well, I'd like to think so, although, as I said last week, Providence, it turned out, was a really good basketball team. But with Johnny Davis, I'd say Wisconsin wins. 
<laughs> so there, there have been a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of talk about coach of the year. This is, yeah. is this Greg guards best coaching job? Do you think? Cause I think, I, I think you put it on, well, it's gotta be up there, but I think obviously his first year, yes, when, when they started one. one in four, uh, in big 10 play and he was taken over for Bo and turned things around in the way that they did it. Now they didn't win the big 10 that year. So, I mean, you could put that one up there. Obviously, the 2020 team catching fire like they did and, uh, you know, and, and winning the final eight games. But from where they were, were at the beginning of the season, where what people thought of in the beginning of the season to the point where they are now, where they if they go one and one, even if they lose to Purdue on Tuesday, and we're going to get we'll get to that game in a second. But even if they were to lose that game and then beat Nebraska, they're still Big Ten champions. And so it, it's hard for me to sit here and say that this is not at that level. Yeah. When you ask the question, my mind immediately went to his first season. And the reason being he's fighting for his job, right? If he doesn't do a good job coaching that team, he's not the head coach right now. I know the record ultimately wasn't as good as what this team's record will be, but given the stakes for him personally, that's number one for me. And you're right about that. And he was already big 10 coach of the year, two years ago. when, as you said, the Badgers made that run, finished 14 and six in league play tied for first, but I would put this one certainly ahead of that two years ago season when he was big 10 coach of the year, simply because this is a team that was picked by many media members to finish 10th in the big 10. That was the preseason poll for the Badgers. And I honestly, I don't know how many people were wringing their hands over that saying that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. That's what people thought of this team. We just had no idea. And the players have to play and do well, but Greg has been leading the charge. And I think it's maybe we'll look back at this and say it's even more significant when you consider what this offseason was for Greg and the program, right? All the talk this offseason was about what happened with the leaked recording and with all those seniors making the comments and pointed criticism at Greg Gard. And it's, it's like forgotten now. I mean, that's how good this season has been. So this is certainly right up there. You probably could make the case it's number one. I'm going to go with the first season because, again, the the stakes for him as a coach. But from start to finish, this has been the most impressive season. The only reason I would say dimly is just because that team, because of the guys who were on it, had been to back-to-back Final Fours. Like they, yes. had, they had experienced success in a lot of it. They knew what it was like to win they they knew what it was like to have success at the at the highest level for the most part like most most of those guys did you know a lot of them were were allowed around for that run uh to back-to-back final fours especially the guys that that were leading that team with nigel hayes bronson koenig and zach showalter and Vito brown like they had been in the wars so it's not like they hadn't known success and this team for the most part i mean Brad has, I mean, he's won a big 10 title, but for the most part, they, they haven't. I mean, they, 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 what they saw when a lot of these guys that uh, are playing huge minutes, whether it's Johnny Davis or Stephen Crowell saw dysfunction last year, right? Like, uh, like to the point where it led to what, what it led to. So I don't, I, I think the coming back from what happened last off or, you know, last year to last off season to, you know, uh, expectations that were not very high and for them to be in the spot they are now with some of the teams that they've had to beat to get there. It's uh, I think it's gotta be up there. If they, if they beat 
Purdue on Tuesday. And again, we, we've talked about this all year. And really, we've talked about this throughout this entire show, going all the way back. Your legacy is built in March. So it doesn't really matter, I guess, what you've done to this point. If you go ahead and, and win the Big Ten, which is awesome, that's great. And you have a good show in the Big Ten tournament, okay. But then the next three weeks are what, where you build your legacy, right? Whether you're a coach or a player. Is that oh, accurate? There's, yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. And, and it, whether that's fair or not uh, can be up for debate. There are months <laughs> and months of a college basketball season, and you're playing 30 regular season games plus. But those three weeks do matter, and they matter a ton in terms of how you remember a team, how you remember a coach. So, yes, that this team has a chance to carve out something even more special. And I don't I don't necessarily think there's a wrong answer on on what is Greg's best coaching job. I certainly can understand and see the case for this year. I mean, look at their record right now. They're 14 and four already that that first year when Greg was the head coach, they went 12 and six. They also lost the Hall of Fame coach <laughs> at midseason in what was an absolute bombshell. Um, but overall, you look at I know it's sort of funny to think about it now, all the hashtags of the fire guard hashtags and people being up in arms, he's got a 65% winning percentage overall. And he's won like 63% of his big 10 games on the whole. He's been outstanding. They had one bad season when they didn't have anybody in 2017, 18. And last year was a disappointment. They still went to the second round of the NCAA tournament overall, though the coaching job he's done, it's been, it's been more than admirable. I think you can say that. He, I mean, he's going to win the coach of the year this year. That's twice in three years. That's pretty incredible. And two big titles in, in three years if they're able to close this thing down. What about nationally? That's a, yeah. a, a tough thing because I think there's been a lot of really good coaching jobs throughout the country. Right. Uh, I mean, speaking of Providence, Ed Cooley's done a pretty good job there. Right. You know, Bruce Pearl. Uh, you got Tommy Lloyd down at Arizona. I feel like Mark Few never gets any credit at Gonzaga, but they're always there, right? So I don't know. What do you, Is he at least in the conversation? Oh, of course he's in the conversation. I think there's probably – you named him. Maybe there's four guys. Look at the teams that are ranked ahead of Wisconsin right now. Most of those are – I suppose you could consider them blue blood programs or, or coaches that have a lot of success and teams that you expected to be there. But Wisconsin, not a team you thought would be there. Providence as well. You know, Arizona sitting there, they, they came into the weekend number two and Auburn was number three. And I feel like those are the coaches that are in the conversation. And I wouldn't be shocked if Greg ultimately winds up as the national coach of the year. And we'll see how this plays out. But what if they, what if they win the next two games and they're 16 and four and they win the big 10 outright? This is a tough league, man, for a team that was picked to finish 10th. I think he, he's got a real shot at it and is on the short list right now. Rightfully yeah. so. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, let's get into uh, Tuesday night because it is a huge, huge game. Wisconsin has a one-game lead on Purdue. They are fourteen and four. Purdue is thirteen and five. Illinois sitting there at twelve and five, uh, and Ohio State at eleven and five. So they've got some games uh, to make up. But I, I posed the question out there to to folks on Twitter. This is the biggest home game since. And I got some answers, some predictable answers, I would probably say, um, because there haven't been a ton of them. 
is it the biggest one since that Duke game, or is it later in that season when they played Michigan State on Senior Day, uh, when they clinched a share of the title against um, against Michigan State, who I believe I don't think that they, I don't even think that they were ranked, but they were. It's Michigan State, so it's a little bit different. But yeah, then they went on and beat Minnesota and Ohio State to to take it outright. But maybe 2003 against uh, Illinois at the Kohl Center when Devin Harris hit a free throw with point something left to give them the Big Ten title on the final day of the regular season. Anyone, any anything else you got for me? No. Um, initially, my thought went to that Michigan State game towards the end of the 2014-15 season. Um, that was also a season that I covered really closely, and and that was a special atmosphere. Frank went for 31 points, and Wisconsin beat Michigan State 68-61. But you're right, Michigan State wasn't ranked at the time. Wisconsin wound up going 16 and two that season in the Big Ten, and Michigan State went 12 and six. I I remember that Duke game. I remember covering it. There were a ridiculous number of media members there, and it was a huge deal. But it was a non-conference game, so like Wisconsin lost. It didn't really matter. It took a little steam off of it. But this, to me, is a way bigger deal um, because of what's at stake right now and what happens if Wisconsin loses, that Purdue's got a shot at it and Illinois has got a shot at it. And one game and one game can change so much. So this might go all the way back two decades, which is saying something because there have obviously been some some big time games at the Kohl Center over that stretch. Yeah, that that 2003 game against Illinois, and they had some really fun matchups against Illinois and Bo, like when Bo first started uh, back and forth, and that gave them the outright Big Ten title. They had won, they had won a share of it the year before, but that win over Illinois gave them the outright title, and um, Devin hit that free throw, and yeah, it was... I remember that game vividly. Uh, because I didn't get into the arena that night. I ended up having to watch it. Uh, I ended up watching it at a buddy's place. And I remember just going insane at the end of it because you couldn't really hear that there was any call. Like originally, you couldn't really tell that there was a call that they had called a foul when you're watching on TV. I've, I've watched it back a few times. You can't really tell. And then all of a sudden, it's like, no, he did. He did get fouled. He's going to line and he misses the first and he hits the second. This has a chance to be like, I think that's probably where this is at. It matches. It matches that. That I'm trying to think of another home game in that in the time since that it is on that level for what's for what's at stake. You know what I mean? Like the, there have been big home games and, and big games where like Wisconsin's taken down a number one team, whether it was the, the Ohio State game in 2011 or beating Duke uh, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge earlier in Bo's career. Like there are there have been huge home games, but the anticipation for this one I think is going to be off the charts, and you can kind of tell already based on what uh, some things have been tweeted out, whether it was, uh, you know, Brad Davison talking about the, the, the this team deserves the loudest Cole Center in history Tuesday night. You got Carter Gilmore saying one game, everyone knows the rules, Big Ten championship on the line. I, I envision this being a situation where there's the, the hype is going to be, I don't want to say unmatched, but it's going to be up there. Yeah, it has a chance to be really special. And, and a few games every year, it's ratcheted up to another level. And then a game like this is on another plane. It's got a chance to be awesome. I, it's going to be a great atmosphere. To me, the question is, can anybody stop Zach Eady? Um, I, I'll be very interested no. to see. 
I'll be very interested to see what the plan is. Maybe you just throw every six, nine plus guy you have out there and they all foul out. Um, Cause he went for 24 and 10 the last time and he only played 20 minutes. So he a, yeah, he had a career high 25 today against Michigan state. Um, you stop him. You've got a pretty damn good shot. And obviously Jaden Ivey's pretty special. Um, yeah. Here's here, here's my thought on that on not on Jaden Ivey. He is special. Uh, saw a great story about him. His mom's now the head coach at Notre Dame, but uh, she won a national title with Notre Dame under Muffet McGraw and then took over from her. But he grew up around all these great players, including Enrique Ogunbowale. When he plays, his mom says you can see some of like their emotions, like him screaming is like something like one of her players, one of the players he had grown up around um, did. And like, so he, he, a uh, ton of respect for, uh, women's basketball and, and hit the impact of it on his game. But yeah, he's a fantastic talent. Amazing. But Zach Eady, my thought process here, put a guy that's like six, six on him. And every time he throws his elbow back, it hits the guy in the face. And so <laughs> it's a foul every single time. I'm like, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if it'll work, but I, I feel like that's as good of uh, defense as anything. Because I saw a couple times today against Michigan State, he got called for offensive fouls because his elbows hit. Uh, I think it was Marble, and Marble's not six six six, but that's that might be the only way to get him off the court is to get him in foul trouble. But that was a Steve. crazy game. Did you see the end of that game? That was crazy. You know, Wisconsin winning there was kind of like the I don't want to say the eye opener. They had had some other wins, but it kind of gave life to to Johnny with the 37 and 14. And it, it gave life to everything I think that has gone on and, and happened the rest of the season. Would you agree or no? Yeah, I think it put everyone on notice if they weren't aware already that Johnny is one bad dude and this team has a chance to do some special things. I will say for the game against Purdue, Stephen Crowell better play the best defensive game he's ever played. Certainly he's going to have a a tall task on his hands, pun intended, and, and Chris Vote in whatever minutes he winds up playing. It's got to be those two guys because that's really what they have to try and defend a guy like Edie. So they better be on point to give Wisconsin a shot. All right, let's get into our Twitter questions. Uh, Jason says, would this team have been better with any of the players who could have come back but didn't? Demetri Trice, uh, Aleem Ford, Michael Potter, Trevor Anderson, Nate Reavers, or is this team better off exactly as it is? I think that's a great question. I saw that question, so I had a little time to think about it. The Honestly, of all those guys, the only guy that I think would have made this team better would be Trevor Anderson because he would have been the backup point guard. He would have understood his role. You would have known what you would have gotten from him, and, and I'd say that the backup point guard situation really hasn't existed there in Lauren Bowman. He's missed several games now with a non COVID related illness, but I think Trevor would have given you something, but I, I mean, I wouldn't trade Chucky Hepburn and the stuff he's done as a true freshman. Demetri Trice did a lot of great things for, for the Badgers. Um, but I just think Hepburn's given this team so much. So it's either this team is just right. Or maybe you could throw Anderson in the mix, which is sort of insane to be saying right now. Um, based on what all, all those guys accomplished in their college careers. I'd say you could use some of the, the, the shooting for Micah Potter. Yeah, that's, you that's know? fair. That's fair. Uh, like that, that might be the one I wouldn't. The thing about it is like, I, I don't think you need ball dominant guys like 
twice. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, and uh, Aleem was not a ton of consistency uh, shooting wise from him. And Nate, I think, just needed a new location. Um, if, so, if you brought those guys in off the bench, though, uh, yeah, but they're not going to maybe, come maybe off the I bench. should maybe they I should revise my. They wouldn't know, have come I, off the bench though, it, right? So that's kind of why I answered the way that I did. Michael Potter would be great for this team too, um, but like Trevor would have been able to have that role because it was a role that he had before. Yeah, you're right. Um, another one here. Shane says, any insights or speculation on Lord Bowman's future, both short and long-term? Now, he has not played the last three games. It is, It has been told to us that it is a non-COVID illness. What exactly the illness is, we don't know. But I will say this. The Indiana game, he played, he only played a couple minutes. And he was on the bench before the uh, under three timeout, or the under, yeah, the under four timeout, and was not on the bench when they came back from the under four timeout and I have not seen him since I am not going to make any speculation. Uh, we know that he missed an extended period of time last year for a family issue. Again, Greg guard said after the game against Minnesota that he said that uh, his medical people would tell him when Lauren was ready to go. And otherwise he had no, uh, he would not speculate on how long he would be out. So short term, I don't know long term. I personally could see him as the uh, him and Chucky playing together next year. Yeah, it's possible. I I think he laid it out pretty well. I can't speculate beyond that because we just don't know. Um, But with Brad moving on after the season and presumably Johnny, there's going to be opportunities in the backcourt and probably several different options. So I think Lauren has a bright future and just kind of a wait and see situation. And hopefully he'll be able to come back and and help the team this season. Shawnee says, how sick do you think Orlando Tucker is watching the Badgers this season? Greg Gard in Wisconsin, two wins away from an outright Big Ten championship after media members picked them to finish 10th. Well, I'm sure he I, I don't even know how to answer that question, given you know what's what's been reported. Um, Here's the thing. Uh, Orlando still has a very good relationship based on. Um, what I know with the players that are still on this team, mm-hmm. a lot of them. And so I suspect he's probably pretty happy for them. And I don't know what his opinion is on Greg guard, uh, having the season that he is. And, uh, I personally won't speculate on it, but I do think he's probably pretty happy for the players that he, uh, helped recruit and also was around a ton of last year. Um, I don't know if that's probably not the answer that you're looking for, but I think it's the truth. I think he probably is pretty happy for these guys. Well said. No addition. All right, cool. Not uh, Slapnik says, not sure how to explain or describe it, but have you seen a tougher Badger team than this team? More talented, no doubt, but tougher, I don't think so. It's difficult for me to say there's one out there, given what we've seen this year, um, in terms of tougher and ability to execute in clutch moments. I can't think of one. Yeah. But I mean, I I would, well, I would say, I I think the NCAA tournament again is is fair or not is going to play a role in, in that answer too. Cause if they lose a one possession game, then, you know, there's teams that we've seen in recent years that won games that they shouldn't have won. I mean, I think of even the, the Villanova upset when the Wildcats were a one seed, 
stuff like that goes a long way. Are you saying they should? I mean, you're saying Wisconsin should not have beaten Villanova that year? I don't think I, I didn't think they were going to win. That I didn't one. think they were going to win, but they were also extremely underseated. Uh, underseated as an eight. Yes. I mean, that was that was some BS where you have Minnesota as a five playing in Milwaukee. Like there was that was a tough seating, a very tough seating, and probably not fair to Villanova. And was that Wisconsin team should have been in the Elite Eight just like the year before should have been in the Elite Eight. And I I, I still maintain that if they had actually uh, if you know if Florida doesn't hit that and they are they're in the Final Four, that team that team was good enough to be in the Final Four. So the team that beat Villanova that was uh, an eight seed, they were good enough to be in the Final Four. Yes, so is this one. Uh, anyway, I, I, I can't, what I'm I can't is, think of like, a tougher team. Okay, all right, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I uh, but you're right. Anything can happen in the tournament, and Wisconsin fans know that probably as well as anybody because they've had their heart ripped out more times than probably anybody wants to remember. Um, a four-year stretch where <laughs> you had a chance to win titles and you had it ripped from your, your grasps, and sometimes it was your own doing. Sometimes it was another team, but it was – I can't remember four straight years of – tougher exits than the, the 2014, 15, 16, 17 teams had to deal with. So, uh, it, again, it all does come down to March. You're right. Megan says, do you predict Jordan Davis's performance at Minnesota? It's going to translate to a consistently bigger role moving forward. Yeah, I think it very well could. And, again, backcourt minutes are free right now with Lauren not being available. I know Lauren is, you know, like – generally backup point guard when Chucky's not in there, but they can do some different things with the lineup. I think what he gave Wisconsin uh, said a lot about him because it's a tough spot to be in. Your brother is getting all the publicity, understandably so, and you're sitting there spending most of the game on the bench, and he came in, he made all three shots. As I mentioned before, he hit, the, he hit a huge one to give Wisconsin the lead, and he wound up getting another 11 minutes against Rutgers on Saturday night. So I do think that it can lead to a bigger role. Yeah. Uh, Adam asks if they win the big 10 regular season title, but they're not in the top eight in the associated press would the selection committee, give them a two seed, or would they also have to make the big 10 title game? Well, ultimately I don't really know how much the AP top 25 is a factor with the committee. I think they look at a lot of very little. Yeah. Yeah. But it could be tough to get a two seed. Um, and it may ma- it may depend on what what happened in the Big Ten tournament. It's really tough to say because, like I said last week, the game ends at five o'clock and the bracket comes out at five o five or whatever. So, but what if they what if they win five more games and they're twenty eight and five and they're Big Ten regular season champions and tournament champions? That's a pretty damn strong case for a two seed. Maybe it winds up being a three, though. I don't know. Twenty-eight I'd and give five, two. Twenty-eight and five, and they will have won. Yeah, I give them a two. Nine straight games, right? Because they've won. They've won four straight now. If they finished out the season, maybe six, and they win three in the Big Ten tournament. Nine straight wins. Yeah, yeah I mean, you got to be a two. Yes. I, I, now, do you actually think that's going to happen? I. You know. I think they're going to win the Big Ten regular season. I don't know if they're going to win the tournament. Uh, 
It's a little bit more of a crapshoot to win three games in three days. I feel like it's almost a guarantee they're going to win at least a piece of the Big Ten title. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They got Uh, Nebraska in the finale. Yes. Sorry, Cornhusker fan. They they ain't losing that game. No, they're not. No, they're not losing that game. So 28 and five certainly gets them a number two seed. I don't think they're in Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I've seen seen some of them as a three seed, not in Milwaukee. And it's hard for me to believe that. But uh, again, the net ranking and you hope it's not something that is just i think it's shown to be it's it's kind of a it's not a huge huge impact it's just another one of the metrics they throw in but the numbers the, the numbers don't like wisconsin this year and hopefully the the eye test of their ability to win close games and do it in places where not so many other teams have gone in and won whether it's michigan state or whether it's purdue or it's Rutgers. i mean you look at the list of the names uh, mentioned it before teams that have gone in there and lost pretty much all of them are at the top of the Big Ten right now. So, yeah, we'll see. Wisconsin will get uh, Purdue on Tuesday and then Nebraska on Sunday to close out the regular season. And I don't know when our next show will be, Jesse. So this is kind of me coming out and admitting that I didn't think this team was going to be in the spot they're in right now. I am uh, leaving for Hawaii tomorrow and getting married next week. And I did not anticipate the biggest home game in 20 years being played on Tuesday night uh, when we originally made these plans, because the plans were do it between the Super Bowl and between the Big Ten tournament. And uh, this was the only week that worked. So that said, if they somehow uh, I know you're going to be covering the game on Tuesday night, right? You excited for that? Yeah. um, 8 p.m. tip, not my favorite, but it's going to be lit. So let's get good. So if they end up being able to win that game, we're going to find a way to, to record an episode on Wednesday. If they don't, then we'll probably hold off until after the Nebraska game. But, um, and that'll probably be Monday. But I wanted to give you an update, you guys an update on when the next episode would be and, and kind of give you a, an idea of, yes, of what, uh, what kind of an idea of what, we're, what I'm facing, I should say, in the final week and, and uh, coming clean as to why I don't get to be at the biggest home game in 20 years. I just have to get married instead. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, it's going to be all right. You get to yeah. be in Hawaii. You get to get married. It's a big game, but it's one two-hour basketball game. Yeah, no, You got I'm more kidding. important things to take, take, take I, care I'm of. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. So, yes. So that's the schedule for next week. We'll see. Uh, I, I, I suspect most everybody listening would like to hear from us on Wednesday. That would mean that Wisconsin has clinched a, at least a share of the Big Ten title um, with the win over Purdue. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Swing.